This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Creature Comforts. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Levy Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Today on the show, we welcome a true renaissance man of the Mississippi River, John Rusky of the Quapaw Canoe Company. Often found leading groups on the mighty Mississippi. We'll talk about what it takes to canoe the big river, its biodiversity, and what climate change means to the lower Mississippi River. Also, Dr. Major is here for your pet questions, and Libby's ready to discuss your recent brushes with nature. Join our conversation this morning with your phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 or you can email animals at mpbonline.org. And we always like to remind you that if you miss Creature Comforts on Thursday, it repeats Saturday mornings at 6. So good morning. I hope that everyone's doing well this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Libby, um, our friends at the Clinton Nature Center are hosting another um, talk. Uh, Do you have some details on that? You know, I don't have the details this time. I'll I'll uh, make a call the next time I get a ch- chance here and and find out some information. But actually, we do. I just wanted. I didn't know if you oh, had good. it as well as not. You were just giving me a chance to share <laughs> yeah. that with us. Uh, they'll be hosting Miranda Goss, a herpetologist with the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers Research Center, talking about Mississippi snakes, uh, and that is uh, at seven p.m. Tonight at 7 p.m. at the Clinton Nature Center. So I always like to uh, promote uh, those events going on there for our friends at the Clinton Nature Center. And as Libby, you've mentioned, too, they've done a good job with social distancing. I think they hold the events in the parking lot. Yes. Now, that part I do know. Yes. Be sure and bring your mask and bring your lawn chair and water, whatever you need. And uh, I, tonight you might want a little jacket and they'll be in the parking lot. <clears throat> and everybody spaces out in that parking lot, and it works out real well. So uh, it's it's a great place to be able to get outside a little bit and learn something new. Uh, so what are you seeing in your yard, Libby? Oh, uh, migrating hummingbirds. I know I mention that every week, but uh, I woke up Monday morning to over 30. I stopped counting at 30. And uh, those seems to have moved away. I think usually I'm a one-day stopover here. But uh, so I don't have very many yet this morning. I'll just keep watching and see what happens. And uh, Paul and I are seeing maybe the last of the goatweed butterflies. And that might be a fun thing for people to kind of look for. Goatweeds have two hatches a year. So we see them in the spring and then we see them kind of the end of summer, and they're a, a pretty orange butterfly that uh, the maybe the no, most noteworthy thing about them is when they close their wings, they look like dead leaves. So uh-huh. they're a leaf mimic. And when they open them up, they're a pretty orange. The male and female are both orange. He's a little more vivid. And I think it's interesting that the second hatch, they're the ones that will, um, you know, what they call the, the basically the the late 
patch. They're more vivid than the earlier ones were, and they have a, um, a much more hooked wing at the top of the wing. So I just think that's kind of interesting that the same species, and they always look different in the, when they have the spring hatch or when they have the late summer hatch. Uh, do we know we why, have them? Uh-huh. Do we know why that is? No, I don't. I don't think anybody knows why that is. Maybe somebody's figured it out, and I've never been able to read it. But I just think that's kind of cool that genetically they've developed, and maybe maybe there's a reason why they need to be more vivid later in the season, or maybe it's just an accidental thing. All right, and I like that, too, of uh, being able to disguise yourself as a dead leaf. That sounds like an effective strategy for avoiding predators. Yes, yeah, real good idea in the woods, yeah. Uh, Dr. Mage- oh, and I guess also I'll mention the the, um, the spiders because I've, I've gotten several people now. I've sent me photographs, and I've been seeing them online, that this is kind of the maximum size for a lot of the orb-weaving spiders that we see, the garden spiders and the, uh, those golden silk orb weavers this is kind of their last hurrah they're laying their egg cases and um you know the adults are dying so kind of the last time to see them i had one pretty one just outside my window and i when i opened the window this morning and noticed that um she's gone and the the web has been torn up i don't know if she just died last night when it was so cool or if maybe somebody ate her last night you know maybe a bird got her or something Mm. Uh, dr major october's here cooler temperatures and through the fall uh things like uh, holiday visitors table food uh certainly uh, candy uh during halloween Uh, what are some things to keep in mind about those sorts of things uh, when we think about our pets Tell you what, uh, a lot of times with the cooler weather, people tend to let their animals out, and especially the dogs, out to run, and a lot of times not in a fenced yard. So be very careful. We see an uptick in uh, automobile uh, incursions or dogs hit by car, cats as well. So they're out moving a little bit more uh, this time of year. So be very careful when you have your pets out, either have them on a leash or in a fenced yard. Um, as far as uh, the holiday season's coming up, I guess trick-or-treat, I guess people will still be doing that to a certain extent. And uh, we have had cases where dogs got into the entire basket and ate. Sometimes they selectively take it out of the wrapper, wrapper but a lot of times they'll eat the wrappers <laughs> as well. And uh, one of the things that usually occurs after that is, at the very least, probably some diarrhea, vomiting, and also... Some of these things are high in fat, so you may get some pancreatitis in some of the smaller animals especially. So be careful, and uh, that goes without saying. But it's wonderful for the cool weather. I noticed the dogs really like that, and they, they act like puppies sometimes when, you know, when they go outside. Um, and, and a good point about uh, the the dogs possibly you know getting out without a fenced yard. And so I would I would say people, if you're driving, especially you know in residential areas, always be careful. But uh, maybe uh, this time of year, be extra careful uh, and try to keep an eye out for any dog that might m- want to dart out in front of you. Exactly. All right. So, Doctor Major, I have a cat question, um, okay. and that is, I think this is true of most cats, but if you scratch them right under their chin, there. Uh, they seem to almost like go into a trance. They they really seem to uh, enjoy that. Is, is do we know why that's 
a, a nice sensitive spot for most cats? Well, that and some of the other areas uh, have a little video of a cat that uh, the owner uh, takes a electric toothbrush and rubs the top of the cat's head, and it looks like it's going into a trance. And I'm sure it would also do the same thing under the chin. But there are certain areas like that. Now, some of the cats do not like to be rubbed on their uh, hindquarters, in other words, from about the mid-back on back, especially some of the males. They really don't like that. Uh, but, yes, I, I think there is something to that. And whether it's a trance or not, I think they're just really enjoying it. And uh, so so will some of the dogs as well, especially the small dogs. Uh, the chihuahuas, for example, you start rubbing their ears and their cheeks and uh, a lot of times they'll just kind of close their eyes and say don't stop you know keep doing it but uh, yes that's that's true and, and you're right sometimes they look so content you almost feel bad when you you know your hand gets tired and you have to stop scratching them <laughs> right right hey uh, we've got a caller on the line who we've talked to previously it's barbara in waynesboro with a follow-up on her dog situation thanks for calling back barbara what do you have for us yeah, I was just going to let you know that uh, Apollo, the Great Pyrenees, I talked to Dr. Major about, um, is doing very well. And, you know, Dr. Major, I just wanted to tell you, I heard you before when you were telling me that I had taught him to only eat table food. And uh, <laughs> I, I worked on it, and uh, I'm, I'm pretty proud of this. But I came up with a concoction to feed him, and then I started taking – about a quarter of a cup of it away each time I fed him and adding right. a quarter of a cup of dry dog food. And now the only thing he gets with his dry dog food is two cups of deer meat. And okay. I crumble the vitamins up. I heard you about that too. And uh, I put them in the deer meat. So if he eats the deer meat, he has to eat the vitamins. So oh, great. Uh, and, you know, I told you before, too, he would eat an avocado, but he wouldn't eat a milk bone. We've, uh, <laughs> we've changed that also. At sunrise, he meets me at the door and gets his milk bone and goes. And, of course, he lays in front of the Great Pyrenees, uh, I mean, the uh, bull mastiff, to eat it. So uh, he, he's doing very well, though. But I've been able to uh, get him almost completely on dry dog feet. Well, congratulations! You've taken taken a lot of effort, I know, and but he's sounds like he's doing good. Yes, sir. He just he won't gain any more weight though. I had him at the uh, vet clinic yesterday to get a, a makeover because you know he still looks pretty bad because his hair was all shaved. But he, what does he uh, weigh now? What does he weigh now? We know. Last time I talked to you, he had gained eleven pounds. He gained one pound in the past. Okay. That was it. Okay. But I'm just kind of wondering, maybe if this is just, maybe he's just kind of waiting, you know. He runs everywhere he goes. He's just wide open everywhere he goes. Well, and, it sounds uh, like he's in, he's in good shape and good condition. Uh, sometimes it's better for one to be muscular and fairly lean than to be overweight. So that sounds like a good thing. Yes. Well, his flanks are not sunk in anymore. And, uh, okay. I mean, he's stout. And he's a big dog, but... Um, his behavior has continued to improve uh, until yesterday. <laughs> but uh, he was in the dryer cage at the clinic when I went to pick him up. And the tech came out and got me and said, I can't get him out. He's growling. 
So I went back there and I said, what are you doing? And he let out this bear growl toward the young man. And as soon as he saw me, he quit doing it. He came out. He let the tech put the collar on him, the leash, and came and got in the truck. Well, that's pretty pretty amazing. But just be careful because he may pick out certain people that he doesn't really I guess like or he fears either fears them for some reason. So anyway, it sounds like you handle that situation well. Thanks, Barbara, for your call. Good to hear the follow-up on the, your situation with the dog. Glad to, that uh, Dr. Major could be of some help. That's why we're on the air with you to help you out with your pet issues. Uh, it's uh, time for our first break. Uh, when we return, we'll welcome to the show John Rusky of the Quapaw Canoe Company. Based in Clarksdale, John and his canoe share the beauty of the lower Mississippi River with all those eager to travel on her waters. We'll talk with him, and also Dr. Major will stay on the line for your pet questions. Call in with your questions and comments. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 Email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Back with more, so stay tuned. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. If you want to join the conversation with a question or comment, our phone lines are open. It's one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. We're going to talk to our guest, John Rusky, in just a minute. But first, we do have another caller on the line. It's Joanne calling from Eupora. Good morning, Joanne. Go ahead, please. Good morning. Um, my late mother uh, had a best friend who's also deceased, and her friend said that she had once seen a circle of owls on the ground, and they seemed, this was at night, uh, and they seemed to be conversing with one another. And I do have another question. I uh, just wondered if anybody knew about that behavior um, uh, or and could tell tell us what it means. Libby, any thoughts? <clears throat> I have never seen that or heard anybody else say that, but it certainly sounds intriguing. Huh? It's the kind of thing you would it? hope to go see, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, have you have you done any kind of search online? I have not. No. I'll I'll kind of look around and ask around and see if anybody else has ever heard of such. Do you know what type of owl or anything? Once again, no. And both my sources are uh, yeah. gone. Are gone. I'll I'll see what I can find. That's very <clears throat> very very interesting. Thank you. Uh huh. Thank you. And I have another question, also about owls. Uh, I noticed on Facebook last night. Uh, several pictures of owls lying on their stomachs uh, asleep. And and the caption said that 
this is the way that I will sleep. And it never crossed my mind that they would actually lie down. Uh, I thought they slept um, sitting on a limb or in, in a hole in the tree. Yeah, I can't imagine that they would lay down on the ground like that. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe maybe not um, on the ground, but on a surface uh-huh. that was elevated. Uh, uh, take a screenshot of that picture and send that to us. Okay, I'll have to have yeah. someone to tell me how to do that. And I appreciate okay, yeah. your it's... comments. All right, uh, uh, Joanne, uh, just send it to animals at mpbonline.org. If you'll just email me that, uh, we'll get it to Libby and see if we can uh, follow up on that. Great. Thank you so much. Love your show. All right, Joanne. Thanks for the call. Good to hear from you. Also, uh, if you're listening this morning and you've heard stories of a a group of owls getting together to uh, chit-chat, let us know. That sounds intriguing. Uh, I can imagine them all out there with a cup of coffee or maybe around the water cooler uh, (laughs) gossiping. Uh, our guest on the show today is John Rusky. He's the chief visionary officer for the Quapaw Canoe Company. Uh, John, thanks uh, for joining us on the show again. Tell us, if you would, a little bit about your background. Oh, thank you, Kevin and uh, Dr. Troy, Libby. You, y'all are heroes of mine. I know Libby, but uh, it, uh, it, this, this is one of my favorite programs of the year. And uh, I'm just a canoe builder and a, uh, a lifelong water lover, uh, born and raised in the headwaters of the Mississippi on Bear Creek uh, up in the Colorado Rockies. And I say that um, <coughs> uh, 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 inferring that uh, wherever you are in the Mississippi drainage, hmm. even if you're in Sunflower County in the Mississippi Delta, you are, in in a sense, in the headwaters of the river. Where I was born and raised in Colorado actually uh, disgorges across the Great Plains and through America's heartland and thousands of miles downstream ends up right down here in the uh, 440 miles that the state of Mississippi uh, uh, border is uh, uh, formed by the river. Uh, Among your other uh, um, jobs during your time, you were curator of the Delta Blues Museum. That sounds interesting. If you would, maybe tell us just a little bit about that. Well, it was the greatest job I ever had until I started my own job. And uh, I was underneath uh, Sid Graves, the visionary library director. She, in 1979, created the uh, Delta Blues Museum. And uh, uh, he passed away, but his influence was enormous on me and, uh, in, in a way, led to what I'm doing today. Uh, MPB once held a function there at the museum. It's a, it's a great uh, gem, one of the hidden gems, maybe, of Mississippi. And so uh, it's in Clarksdale, am I right? Yes, but it split off, and it's now its own uh, freestanding entity in the old freight uh, station of the Illinois Central Railroad, um, just a couple blocks away from the Carnegie Library, where Sid started a well, it was actually started in the um, African American Library at Myrtle Hall, and then it moved to the Carnegie Library and uh, uh, in the upstairs of the original Carnegie Library, and then it moved down the street and is now overseen by Shelley Ritter, um, who is the executive director and carrying it on into the future. 
So it sounds like you're someone who enjoys uh, being on the river. How often are you on the Mississippi? Well, in our busy seasons, uh, which is now in the springtime, uh, two out of every three days I'm on the river. And uh, me and my crew, I work with uh, uh, a crew. We call ourselves the Mighty Quapaws. And Quapaw Landing is the closest landing, excuse me, landing to Clarksdale. And um, it's where I, I derived the name Quapaw. And then discovered later it is a name of a people, the downstream people. And it kind of fit. And uh, we try and uh, be uh, respectful and bring honor to the Quapaw people by uh, bringing attention to the great waters that originally brought the Quapaw people out of uh, the Ohio River Valley. And um, uh, Mark River Peoples and uh, Tanner Alljets and um, Allie Grant and uh, Lena Von McQuee and Ellis Coleman, uh, uh, Smooth, we all work together and um, build canoes and uh, provide uh, guiding and outfitting services on the Big River. We are going to continue our visit with John Rusky throughout the hour, but we've got some phone calls on the line, so let's uh, get some listener input as well. Uh, we'll start on the phones with Mike, who's called in uh, from De Quincey, Louisiana, I think it is. Go ahead, Mike. You're on the air with us. Yes, sir. I was calling to ask about my bull. She, uh, last couple of weeks, has started chewing on her paws, and she's making them bleed. And I can't get a hold of my vet because of the hurricane. He's not in, he's not in right now. And wonder what I can do about her to stop her chewing on her paws like she's doing. Okay, uh, she's chewing on all four. Yes, sir. Okay. And she's and starting to make them bleed. Yeah. How old is she? Mm, going on three, I would say. Right. So she's young. Uh, never happened before. Never before. I just wonder if maybe she did uh, get into something that would cause her to do that. How about the rest of her skin? Is she leaving it alone, pretty much? Pretty much, that's just her paws. Yeah. In lieu of the veterinarian, uh, I don't know where, how close you are to one, but she probably needs to be seen before she gets, you know, real infection there. If well, she'll hurricane blew them away. <laughs> I, no, I, I understand. I'm just trying to think of things you can do. Number yeah. one, there's nothing wrong with a good old-fashioned Epsom salt soak. You get a tub okay. and warm water and just a couple handfuls of Epsom salt, let it dissolve. That may help. Are they ulcers or are they, she's just licking and chewing? She's just licking and chewing. Yeah, yeah. You know, if if I had to tell you what to get, which maybe you can get from a pharmacist, if they let you have it, would be some prednisone. Uh, I think that would help. I think that would help. Uh, how much does she weigh? And I'm not supposed to be really tight. Really not supposed to be diagnosing over the phone, but just trying to help you. Uh, yes, probably, she weighs probably, about 100 pounds. Probably 20 milligrams twice a day for five days, and then another five days uh, with once a day. Okay. Uh, right. So hopefully that would help uh, at least take away some of the effect of that. Uh, okay. It sure sounds like she may have gotten into something. Of course, if she's around flooded land, who knows what that might have been. So yeah. uh, best of luck to you. I wish I could help you more. And uh, well, I appreciate that. Thank you, sir. Take care. Thank and when you, you soak, when you soak the feet, let's yes, do it for, for 10 minutes. 
and then maybe okay. do it once a day for several days. That'll help toughen it right. up, okay? Take I really care. appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, Mike. Good to hear from you. Let's get one other call in here, and it is uh, Marvin in Purvis. Good morning, uh, Marvin. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Uh, good morning. Uh, my wife had a uh, recorder that uh, she would like you to listen and let us know what kind of animal is this. Okay. It's going to be a little while. Hold on just a minute. <laughs> that's an owl yeah it's, mm-hmm. it's, an, it's an owl yeah, yeah. Okay. and it, I, well, I think it's so a barred owl yeah uh, what kind of owl what kind of barred owl barred owl yeah uh Livia, i heard uh this this morning and yesterday as well uh owls and they were they were sounding off in different directions so this is time of year i think you'll hear a lot of owl talk i haven't seen a circle of owls but that's interesting and uh they are fairly active this time of year it seems like uh yes yes this i i think they really like it when when it cools off right This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Time for another break. When we get back, we'll continue talking with our guest for the day, John Rusky. He's the Chief Visionary Officer of the Quapaw Canoe Company. Also, Dr. Major's here, ready to take some pet questions. And if you have a question for John or a brush with nature or a pet question, give us a call. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. You can email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Back with more, so stay tuned. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major on Creature Comforts. Dr. Major is a veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Also with us, Libby Hartfield, the retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Our guest for the hour is John Rusky from the Quapaw Canoe Company. Uh, So, uh, um, John, you were telling us that uh, you offer uh, canoe trips on the lower Mississippi. Uh, What do you think makes that lower part of the Mighty River so special? Well, when the uh, it's the last thousand miles of the river, 954 to be exact, from Cairo, Illinois, which is where the Ohio River joins the Middle Mississippi, and um, at that point, and flowing downstream for 954 miles, it's the biggest river in North America, and uh, not only is it uh, big and powerful and deep, but it becomes uh, a a much broader floodplain, and the uh, the levees that um, on the upper Mississippi, and that, that's a part above St. Louis and the middle Mississippi, which is between St. Louis and Cairo, the river is contained uh, in a tighter because it's smaller and less volume. But when it hits the, when it passes uh, Cairo and heads on downstream along the Tennessee uh, uh, Chickasaw Bluffs, they call, they're called, and, and, uh, and then swirls out of Tennessee past Cat Island and into the Mississippi Delta. It gains a, a certain rhythm, and, uh, and uh, the floodplain grows. 
uh, significantly. Uh, and the levees that contain the river tight or upstream uh, have to be moved away to allow the uh, rising and falling annual flooding of the river. And uh, as a result, it, it's a huge, um, huge biota. Uh, 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 bottomland hardwood forest uh, bisected by um, back channels and bios and uh, and uh, wetlands of all shapes and sizes and sorts and and as a result of all that um, it becomes a uh, a vibrant and uh, healthy um, uh, river uh, river biota which are one of the most endangered biotas in the world, by the way, are freshwater biotas, uh, along with uh, coral reefs. And um, the experience for us paddlers, and paddlers see this closer and, and more intimately than anyone, uh, you know, I'm comparing that to uh, if you're on a uh, passenger on a steamboat or a crewman on, the, uh, on a barge, uh, fishermen and hunters, they know because they're in the... Uh, in their environment, just like we are. But um, the experience for us paddlers is a uh, incredible uh, wilderness that um, is just as deep and wild as anything you'd experience in Alaska or other wild places in our continent. Uh, and I say that with full knowledge that towboats are passing by. Um, <laughs> And an occasional fishermen, but they are as, uh, oh no, well, ethereal uh, as, uh, as if you saw an alien spaceship, maybe, or something, uh, because they, they have, they're contained in their own world and, and don't affect at all what your experience is on the island or the experience of insects and birds and, and all the fishes and amphibians and mammals that thrive out there. They're not affected at all by the commercial traffic on the river. So um, the, uh, Johnny used the term biota. What does that mean? That is the overall um, natural landscape. It includes uh, everything from the microbiota, the, the tiny creatures that we can't see in the mud that are the base of all life, and everything upwards. Uh, through the sandbars and the water, the uh, the uh, phytoplankton and uh, zooplankton, and the things that eat those and the things that eat those, you know, the freshwater shrimp and the minnows, and on upwards through the food chain up to the, uh, <laughs> excuse me, Louisiana black bear and uh, and coyote and, uh, and white-tailed deer. And uh, in the air, the... Uh, the American, uh, the white pelican, the big bird in North America, besides the uh, California camp condor, uh, they're migrating through the Mississippi Valley right now, and uh, and uh, bald eagles are returning. So, uh, so it, if you could uh, give someone an idea, if someone were to take a, a trip with you, what would the experience be like? How how big are the canoes? Uh, where do you go? What do you see? So if you would maybe give us a, 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 a an idea of what it would be like on one of your trips. Uh, we we um, build a, a 
29-foot-long Voyager-style canoes uh, at, at our base in Clarksdale. It's located in downtown Clarksdale, and you can come visit us and see the canoes actually in construction. We're working on two or three canoes right now, actually. And um, uh, they are the French Voyager canoe style, which derives from the French Voyager uh, fur trade of the Great Lakes of past centuries. And when Joliet and Marquette and, uh, and LaSalle, when they came down the Mississippi hundreds of years ago, they were in canoes about the same size and shape as our canoes, canoes are built, um, except they were birch bark. And we build ours out of Louisiana bald cypress and um, protect them and strengthen them with uh, uh, fiberglass and epoxy resin. And um, it's a tradition that I learned from Ralph Rees, a uh, master canoe builder. He was America's uh, expert in that tradition uh, from his workshop on the shores of Lake Michigan. And um, so anyway, we uh, everyone um, uh, packs their bags. It's kind of like a uh, adventure on a on a big western river like the Colorado or the Columbia or uh, the Snake River. Um, we pack everything into these big canoes and set off on the big muddy waters, um, self-contained, because we are entering a landscape that does not have showers or bathrooms or convenience stores it is a wild landscape and we approach it uh, respectfully uh, leave no trace principles and um, and um, everything we're going to need for the week on the river or the weekend or the day we do a little bit of everything our longest trip is six weeks from st louis to the gulf of mexico and i'm just coming back from uh, running chemical corridor uh, Baton Rouge and New Orleans uh, last week with um, some Tulane photographers. And um, so we do, we do a little bit of everything, but um, 85% of our trips are somewhere in the especially wild um, and beautiful stretch of river between Memphis and um, Vicksburg. And it, that extends actually all the way down to St. Francisville, Louisiana. But Mississippi, yeah, it's not well known, but Mississippi has the best of the Mississippi River. And, and that is below Memphis. The, the, the islands get bigger and taller, and the river gets, uh, the floodplain gets wider. It, it's at its widest at the mouth of the Arkansas River, which is. Uh, more or less opposite um, Rosedale, and um, uh, about 35 miles wide there, depending on how you cut the line, measuring from levee to levee, from the Arkansas River levee over near Pendleton, uh, Arkansas, to the Mississippi levee near Rosedale. And um, um, the experience is similar to... Uh, what you would experience on a big wild river uh, um, uh, camping and um, uh, paddling amongst the birds and the uh, and the fishes and seeing nothing. In, in our river, we see nothing but a big open sky above us and the 
in the big, uh, expansive Mississippi, forever mysteriously curling into uh, into uh, uh, locations downstream around the bend. It's always going around the bend. It seems like there's no straight lines on the river, and there isn't. If you look at a map, it's all meandering. And, uh, and camping on giant sandbars underneath the stars. And, you know, you have five-star uh, hotels on land, but we had million-star <laughs> camping on those islands. <laughs> We're going to be visiting with John throughout the hour. Before we take our next break, we do have a couple of calls to get to, so let's uh, begin with uh, Jennifer in Myrtle, Mississippi. Jennifer, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Yes. Um, we have seven um, rescue dogs. Don't even ask me how we got <laughs> And then I have two outdoor cats. And when you mentioned earlier letting your dogs run, we do kennel all but one of them, and we really try to run them at least twice a week. But right now we're trying to do it at least every other evening because it's just so nice. Um, we have coyotes in the area. And recently uh, we have a female and a male cat. The female never leaves our – we have a huge back porch. She never leaves the back area of the yard. But the male, he has – it's cooler weather, and – he came home about two weeks ago, and he had huge fang uh, marks in his neck. All the hair was gone. Of course, we treated him, and he's recovering. But I feel like it probably was a coyote. And when we let our dogs out to run, there's one little beagle. He loves to keep running. <laughs> so I don't know. What, what do you recommend to try to contain them in this beautiful weather ones that we kennel obviously we can keep kennels but that's kind of unkind and and then my one cat what do we do i mean it's a very difficult question and i I know you like to be able to let them run and you can't just curtail that the uh i've had cases before where uh, cats have disappeared uh in a neighborhood and usually it is coyotes when you have that close uh the beagle uh certainly could be considered to be prey. I don't know how big it is. I see beagles all the way from 10 pounds to 40. So that's Yeah, this is about, I guess he's about 25. He's right, about average, yeah. about average, yeah. Uh, there's really nothing you can do, in, in my opinion, to to repel them. They're pretty, you know, you don't see them a lot of times until they're right there as far as the coyote is. Uh, and yeah, but you can sure hear, hear them, and last night a full moon. Oh, it will raise it will raise the hair on my neck, in the back of my neck. Yes. You know, when you hear them in in chorus, and uh, uh, sometimes uh, I would wonder, but be very careful. I don't know that I have a, an idea that would repel the coyotes. Uh, and uh, this little beagle, you know, it's right out there. Warning. Yeah, he pr- he did come around. back last night, but now my cat, um, since he just got hurt, I mean. They've never been crated or anything because, like I said, the majority of the time they just stay in the back porch area. Now, the cattle, we have a fence row in the back, and he'll go mouse out there. And, and they definitely earn their keep. You know? Right, but, but it's that cruel that, to crate him at night and then let him out in the morning until, you know. I don't think it would be cruel at all. And he's very lucky to be alive, to be quite frank with you. If it, it was, was a, a horrible. I'm telling you, it was it was right. pretty bad. It scared and me when I that's saw pretty, it. That's pretty amazing that he escaped in in, in reality. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yes, I think I would trade him at night. It would be a good idea. Okay. Okay. All right. 
Jennifer, thanks uh, for calling in to uh, Creature Comforts. Uh, It's time for our next break. Uh, When we get back, we'll have uh, our guest, John Ruskey, on the air with us. He's from the Qualpaw Canoe Company. Dr. Major, still ready for your pet questions. You can join our conversation with a phone call. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. Email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Back to wrap things up after this. Hey, this is Malcolm White with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Every week, myself or one of my fellow hosts bring you in-depth interviews with different creative Mississippians. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcast app. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. Our guest for the hour, John Rusky from the Quapaw Canoe Company. Uh, we've got a caller on the line, so uh, let's get right back into things and say good morning to Jimmy, called in from Greenville today. Good morning, Jimmy. Go ahead. Good morning. Uh, quick question for you. I have a now 10-month-old German Shepherd puppy, female, that I uh, house-trained using a kennel, uh, a crate. Uh, the problem I have is she won't sleep through the night. She'll wake up 3.30, 4 o'clock, 4.30 in the morning. Um, what can I do to get her to sleep through the night? I mean, she, the last time she usually gets water is about 5.36 o'clock. Right. Okay. Uh, what time does she go to bed? What time do you put her up? About 10, 10.30. You know, and she's how old now? Uh, this month she'll be ten months old. Right. The fourth. Eventually, she will she will learn to uh, stay longer in the crate. Uh, of course, you know, very difficult to do that. Does she need to go uh, outside to go to the bathroom when she's yeah, uh, yeah trying to wake yeah. up? Yeah. Right. And this yeah. this may be a thing of control. Uh, mm. I would mm. not water her later late at night with right. Good letter- let her have all she would drink mm-hmm. and take her out before you put her up or That's right before you yeah. right before you go to bed right and right. Uh, i do believe she will outgrow this uh okay i hope so time. i'm okay. not getting no sleep okay I understand. <laughs> all, all right you. thank you all right bye-bye all right, uh, Jimmy, thanks for calling uh, this morning. Uh, Jerry from Snow Lake Shores has, uh, is on the line and has actually sent us a picture, and he was trying to get uh, some reaction and some information about the picture. Jerry, if it's okay, what we'd like to do is uh, email that picture to Libby, and she can get back to you. So uh, no one really has had a chance to, to look at it yet. It looks like a fascinating picture, but uh, let's go ahead and do it that way. We will uh, email you. Uh, Libby will email you directly about what she has found out uh, from the picture, which I think is uh, – a wasp uh, on a stump. So um, we'll, it sounds interesting, and uh, Libby can follow up with you uh, via the email. Our guest today is uh, John Rusky uh, from the Quapaw Canoe Company. Uh, John, what about the ecological health of the lower Mississippi River? 
questions, and uh, I was going to speak to the owl question. Uh, okay. We had an inter- interesting experience uh, last week. I was down in Chemical Corridor, which is at a very busy stretch. We rarely do trips down there, and it's, it's not wild down there. It's a whole different experience. But uh, we were camped amongst the largest refineries in the country and in the world, right across the river, actually, from Exxon Mobil in downtown Baton Rouge. And um, in the middle of the night, I woke up and heard a, a, a distinct um, sound that I was very familiar with, and it was the, uh, the great horned owl. And it, even amongst all that wheezing and coughing and the, the pumps and fans and everything else that was around us, you could hear a great horned owl uh, somewhere near our camp, and 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 uh, uh, it was communicating with another owl across the river from us, uh, somewhere over near the refinery. We were camp opposite the refinery, and um, these two owls. Uh, uh, it's just like being in New York City traffic, <laughs> amongst all, <laughs> all of the horns and, and the noise of the traffic hearing an owl and it was clear it, it was really interesting because it was so clearly heard even amongst all of that industry the noise of industry you could still hear these two owls calling back and forth to each other across the river and um it's uh it, it, it exemplifies the the experience on the water when you're actually camping uh, and you're not protected by the shell of of a, uh, a boat or your vehicle, but you are as close as you can get to uh, uh, the experience of our creator uh, you know, the, uh, being underneath the sun and the wind. And you get sunburn, you get windburn, and sometimes you're cold, sometimes you're too hot, but you are as close as you can get to the natural world around us. And um, another one of those experiences is being out after dark and paddling through a flooded forest, which often happens on the lower mist. The, uh, the river rises typically in the springtime, and the, the giant uh, uh, forests that are uh, uh, the, uh, parallel the banks, the bottom lane, hardwood forests, become flooded and you can actually paddle through those flooded woods and it's like paddling in a church the, the sound is uh so crisp and reverberant um and yeah, when you hear an owl it is like hearing a uh a gregorian chant in a in a in a in a in, a, in the cathedral uh, in paris or something and the, the sound is so liquid and uh, reverberant, and um, so the uh, yeah, it's interesting. The, um, the we feel like um, it's it's a healthy biota, and, and Libby can speak more smartly to this than I, than I can. I, I, I'm, I'm a uh, I'm an observer and a sketch artist and a. Uh, uh, but our experience on the river is that uh, even amongst the uh, challenges of the uh, of the recent years and, uh, um, and, and global warming and 
uh, all the imbalances, the earth is suffering, the, the lower Mississippi River is a, an example of where um, the balance is, uh, is, is still working, where uh, we, we still have a lot uh, of... John, we're there. coming up against the clock. Uh, how could folks get in touch with you if they wanted to explore the lower Mississippi River with you? Well, it's easy. Uh, go online and uh, Google uh, Canoe Mississippi or Quapa Canoe. And our website is island63.com. Island 63 is the closest island to Clarksdale, and that is our website. And uh, you'll find everything, uh, all the contact information there. Uh, get in touch with us. We will uh, put together everything. You can arrive with your suitcase. And we will provide everything else you need to go out and have a uh, uh, life-changing adventure on the biggest river in North America. All right. That's going to wrap us up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio. Our show is produced by Java Chapman. Thanks to our call screener today, Liz Gill. For Dr. Troy Major, Libby Hartfield, and our guest, John Rusky, I'm Kevin Farrell. Stay tuned. Up next, it's AutoCorrect with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio.